Welcome to Elevated You. I'm your host, Kay Cote. Think of me as the friend in your corner that helps you break through what holds you back in life. On each episode, I share real, raw, and insightful stories along with resources to help you get in the driver's seat of your life and transform into who you're meant to be. I'm so happy that you're here because we are in the middle of a series that I love called Elevated Man where I'm sharing transformational stories of men that overcame adversity and stepped into who they truly are. The topic of being bullied is something that we're all familiar with in some way, shape, or form. And my next guests, Nate Thompson and Alex Schwartz, are here to share their personal stories of being bullied, as well as bullying in the workplace. I met Nate and Alex at a conference last year, and we were at a speed networking event And I remember I was going to open up about my story of being bullied. And the second I sat down, I froze. I saw Nate. I saw Alex. I saw so many eyes looking at me that I completely froze up and did not want to share. However, I was able to conquer that fear and share my story. And I'm so glad I did because Nate and Alex both came up to me after And we had a conversation about their experiences, my experiences, and bullying is something that needs to be talked about in order to find healing and find ways to overcome it. Nate and Alex have the Disrupted Workforce podcast where they help workers navigate a growing AI world in the workplace. This episode is insightful and full of hope. However, there is a trigger warning because sensitive subjects such as rape, abuse, and bullying are covered in this episode. Viewer and listener discretion is advised. First and foremost, Kay, thanks so much for having us on. Uh, Really excited to be here. Love the work that you're doing and how you're helping people conquer their inner bully and leap through fear. I think it's really fantastic. Um, So a bit about me. I grew up in uh, Massachusetts in a small suburb of the Boston area, only child, Uh, very well loved. And the short story on me is in spite of all that, I never quite felt like I fit in and uh, definitely went through uh, bullying as a kid, got beat up, called a lot of names, switched schools, had it happen again. And uh, by the time I got to high school, I was in full on rebel mode after going through all of that, but really had a, a rough time from about third grade, uh, onwards. And, um, just this sense of, I don't, I don't belong here. And that will get us up to the work that we're doing now, because the work that we're focused on is very much about helping people belong in the future of work. Um, but I was uh, a late bloomer, didn't go to my prom, didn't have a single date in high school, kind of awkward. And uh, then I got to college and and things sort of changed for me. I, I got into to drinking and partying and became sort of a go-to guy for nightlife and carry that into uh, the beginning of my career in New York City. I always wanted to move to New York. My dad grew up in New York. Uh, My grandparents were in New York. I've been going to New York since I was two years old. It always felt like home. And um, got into a work hard, party hard lifestyle that ended up into uh, a crash hard lifestyle. By my mid-20s, I was realizing that the depression that I was feeling... um, actually had a little more to do with what was going on on the inside and unresolved um, feelings about myself and who I was as opposed to how it looked on the outside. On the outside, it looked great. I had this terrific job in entertainment and uh, you know, a lot of friends and every you know 
was in a, a relationship at the time with, with someone who was, you know, for all intents and purposes, looked pretty stable on the outside as well. I mean, it all, it all looked good on the outside, but on the inside, um, really felt very off and recognized that all these feelings from childhood that I'd been kind of numbing out for a very long time needed to be dealt with some, you know, 20 odd years later. <laughs> um, so I've been sober for 16 years, which is a big part of my story. I've done a lot of work um, on myself through personal development and ultimately have been actually coaching others, uh, men and individuals to help them lead more fulfilling lives. And that has uh, sort of burgeoned into the work that, uh, that Nate and I do today. Wow. I just can resonate so deeply on that, especially that almost that like that it reminds, it reminds me of the word authenticity and like that word was brought up into my vocabulary and I was challenged with my, with someone challenging me on my authenticity in a good way. And I was, it was very much, what am I living on the surface versus what's going on underneath the surface? And so that's very powerful. Um, how about you, Nate? So I grew up in Colorado on the Eastern Plains in a small town. Um, if you go out in the Eastern Plains of Colorado, it's kind of one stoplight towns, um, cows and corn, you know, small town America, and it's beautiful and wonderful. And, and uh, it was, there was also some tough aspects about it. And one of them was that my family was poor and my parents were kids having kids. So, you know, 17 and 18 year old parents who are having kids and so we lived in poverty and we had a trailer house and we lived on the wrong side of the tracks. And I know how ridiculous that is to say, but that was really a thing in my town. If you lived on the South side of the tracks, you were broke and everyone knew it. And if you lived on the North side of the tracks, you, you were doing better. And, and, um, so it was interesting. Uh, my parents worked two and three jobs and my dad would tote me around to his jobs and I'd throw papers in the morning and we'd, do electrical work, you know, and then he would take me to the school and we would clean the school at night. And that was kind of my experience. Lo very loving family. My parents did the best they could with what they had. We were latchkey kids. I mean, you could find me roaming and I mean roaming. <laughs> like if it, if it got dark at night, I would come home and my parents probably had no idea what I did that day if I wasn't, you know, out there with them. But in general, it was a, a, a really good life given the circumstances i could have easily been a statistic and i'm grateful that that i'm not and i'm here with you two today in terms of bullying and that kind of thing i've reflected on this a lot throughout my life and i'm not proud of this but i understand it um in my experience when i went to school you had to learn to protect yourself. And there was certain kids who would target me. And I learned that I had to verbally protect myself and physically protect myself. And then I watched that there were some people who couldn't do that. And I was fortunately, in most cases, able to do that. It did not mean that I survived it well. Uh, I, you know, I got beat up many times and I, and I was made fun of many times. But I also, sadly, and I take full accountability for this, learned that behavior. So it became kind of survival for me of, okay, if this is the, how the game's played, then I'm going to play the game. And it, it took me a while 
to start to figure out that that game, no one wins and it hurts everyone far beyond what we know. And so I take accountability that there are times in my past where I was a bully and there are times in my past that I was bullied and, and it took a lot of reflection and personal growth for me to step outside of that and, and aspire to become someone who could be a support and a, a guiding light. So I do a lot of youth leadership work today. And that's something I'm very proud of. But man, if you would have met me back then, you would have saw a angry, scrappy, you know, kid who thought that the world was against him and had a lot of growing up to do. Well, I really appreciate the vulnerability. You both sharing your stories. And I, there's so many things I want to unpack because I can relate to so many of these uh, scenarios because I too grew up in a very small town and my family was not one of the name, elite names of said small town. And, you know, I look back on that and I too, when I went through the bullying experience, I rebelled. I at times became the bully, but that's like that learned, you learn to survive, you learn to get scrappy. And I've had those moments too. So I think the important thing now is like our experiences that we've had through being bullied or having to deal with hardships of some assortment in our youth. Now we can take those experiences and grow. And we I always say what we go through, we can grow through. So we can use it for good now, which is exactly what you both are doing. Yeah. You know, when we think about bullying or being bullied, we think of this very typical kind of common, but, you know, tragic childhood being bullied. Yet there are other aspects of being bullied. I think anytime you are oppressed in yourself of by somebody else or even in your by yourself, like if we have that bullying mean inner voice, there are so many forms that bullying can take. It can be a relationship with a, a partner. It can be a parent to child, child to parent sometimes. There can be so many, so many ways bullying happens. Can you each can yeah, can you each dive into an experience or a way that you think would not be a typical bullying experience? So our focus is the disrupted workforce. We are focused on the biggest disruptions to work in human history that continue at a pace that is absolutely mind-numbing. And I think perhaps an interesting way to look at this is through the lens of what's happening now, which is you're seeing, and this is something that is Nate is very passionate and I'm sure we'll want to share about as well, but you're seeing a, uh, a battle between command and control leaders and an empowered workforce. And neither side really wants to give any ground. So the bullying from the leaders is come back to work. Virtual work isn't working. We need, you know, we need you in the office. We need FaceTime. We can't give you the flexibility that you want. And on the side of the empowered workforce, it's if our flexibility needs aren't met, if our needs for purpose and belonging aren't met, then we are voting with our feet and we are quitting faster than the revolving door in the office building can spin around. And 
you are seeing some progress for sure. And a number of folks that we talked to really are, are, are honoring that we are seeing more and more of the two sides finding a bit of the middle, but there, this is a form of bullying and it goes both ways, right? If you are, if you are bullying your employer into giving you things that your employer could never possibly give you because you're part of the empowered workforce and you know that they're afraid of losing talent and you're using that to up your position or get a title or get a raise because of their fear of losing you, you know, that's not necessarily the best behavior either. Um, and on the side of the, the leadership, if you're forcing people that truly need flexibility since the pandemic and understand that there's a better way to meet this moment and that the way that we work is fundamentally changing and it's for the better, um, you too are, are exercising your power in an abusive way. So there's a lot of abuses of power that are happening right now as this new normal is kind of being set up. Um, I have, I've, I've had some bad bosses before. I don't know if those stories are necessarily the right stories to tell in this moment, but I'm going to, I'm going to kick it over to Nate to have you, you weigh in. Yeah. I'll start with where you are, Alex. I'll extend on that, but I'll take it a different direction. I'll tell you a very personal story of when I was bullied at work. So a hostile workplace is what it's called in corporate terms, like HR would refer to it as a hostile workplace. When you have someone in the workplace who is making life really bad for others. And I was in an organization where that was going on. And this person was very, very good at what they were doing in terms of um, turning people against one another and creating an instability by design that caused people to not really know what was going on. And I was observing this and watching it happen. And then I, at one point, became the target of it at one moment. And I went to my leader and I said, hey, this is going on. I want you to know it's very hard for me to bring this to you. But there is a person on our team, which in the organization was a beloved team. And this person is creating a hostile workplace for people. I've had people come to me in tears. I've personally experienced it myself. And then there was this moment that happened the other day that was in every way completely inappropriate. And I need you to know about this. What should we do? And this is the kicker. He looks at me and goes, I recommend that you turn the other way. And I never in a million years thought that he was going to say this to me. I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I'm surfacing this problem. I thought, surely you've seen this by now, right? And he looked right at me and he's like, ignore what's going on. He didn't even tell me why. He just said, leave it alone. And that was the moment. I was like, "I'm here it is, ground zero. I'm in a corporate workplace. This is a very large organization. You think these things don't happen. And I'm right here telling you, these things happen all the time and often for reasons of protectionism, um, for territorialism, uh, people kind of don't want to engage. They don't want to face the elephant in the room. Nobody wants to deal with this mess. And so I ended up leaving that organization by choice because I thought if my leader doesn't have my back and doesn't have the back of the team, then I have... There's nothing I can do here. I can't add any value. I can't thrive. I certainly can't feel protected and safe. So the idea of psychological safety in that moment was gone. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I'm out. 
Um, and, and so I just want everyone to know that bullying, like Alex was saying is, and, and Kay, like you said, it's far beyond just what you see on the school playground. This stuff continues all the way through life. Um, another example is through the youth leadership work, uh, you know, teenagers, we talk to teenagers all the time. We go to these large events and we put on like five day events where we, um, have the teenagers come together to find their voice in this crazy world where everything's going on. Who are you in the context of this world? Who do you want to be? Who do you aspire to be? How do you want to show up in your family? How do you want to show up in your community? How do you want to show up in your school? And then we help them in a lot of ways, talk about what leadership looks like and then they can tailor it to them. But one of the things that's always blown me away about this event is we, every day we do shares. And it, it's just different times of the day. And we'll talk about in different contexts, like we do an activity called Step to the Line. If you've experienced X, step to the line. If you've ever had a drug addiction, step to the line. If you've ever been raped, step to the line. If you've ever been beaten, step to the line. And we do all these kind of activities. Well, in the shares, Every year, multiple times in the event, a kid will grab the microphone and deep breath and say something shocking, like, like a girl grabbed the mic and said, my dad's been raping me for years in front of 250 kids. And it's just that moment where I have emotion around it because I think, oh my gosh, she's been dealing with this for years. And it's in this moment that we get to hear about it. And what a blessing, what a blessing that we get to be here together to help her and support her and shape it. But it doesn't take the edge off of knowing that that stuff goes on every day. That's bullying, that's hurt, that's trauma. That's illegal. It's a lot of things, but it's that important thing to know, okay, what you're surfacing is happening out there every day. And the way we get through it is to talk about it. The way we get through it is to name it, to claim it. And so that's why we're here with you today. You know, that is so hard to hear. And it's so like to be in that place and hear that come from an innocent girl like or anybody who like stepped to the plate and has the the courage to speak about what they've been through and so the work you're doing is crucial so that's powerful and it's you know it does it does bring me back to even times that I've experienced sexual harassment in the workplace and never reported it because I was bullied by my boss. He turned it against me. I think there's so many of these stories out there, men, women, people of all ages, all walks of life who've experienced something like that. And it's, it's such a sad world. And I think it's crucial to keep spreading the word and keep getting the word out about like giving people a safe space and that they can share and that they can maybe get themselves somehow out of the situation or find the strength and courage to get through something really traumatic like that. So I really go find your podcast and find this community, right? Hey, there's a community here that this is Kay. This is what she talks about. This is the gift she brings to the world. So you don't, you're not alone. Right? Exactly why I do this is, you know, is to create a space that anyone can feel welcome, that they can tune in, that they can reach out to 
guests that I've had myself, I always say, you know, I'm welcome to keep building this community beyond the podcast. So that's really, that's really, that's really powerful for sure. So, you know, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit, but still along this, the same, the same wavelength, you know, what you described and how you felt was very, it was about empathy and having empathy for people. I'd love to share each of your perspectives on how do you bring empathy into your lives and into the work that you do? Empathy was something that took a while for me to develop because as a kid, I was always very sensitive to my own feelings and to other people's feelings. But I had some of those similar feelings to what Nate shared, like the world is against me, right? I had some of that self-pity, lack of self-love, lack of self-worth. Hey, I'm being treated this way. And when, when you feel like the world's against you, it's hard to really proactively put yourself in other people's shoes and care about them when you don't yourself feel cared for. So it's been a bit of a journey. Um, I think I was pretty selfish in my early 20s, for sure. I think I lived pretty selfishly. I think I felt like, man, this is the this is the lifestyle and the life that I deserve because of all the shit that I went through. <laughs> and I'm going to get mine. You know, I had that kind of mindset. And... It started actually in, in early sobriety and being around sober people and beginning to learn that one of the best ways to get out of yourself and, and your own problems is to help others. And one of the w best ways to build self-esteem is through esteemable acts. So empathy initially for me, I, I'm going to own this, was, was selfish. It's, I, I think of other people, I'm relieved of my own problems. But then over time... I really came to a place where I was more secure in myself and truly wanted to help others and truly cared about others and was able to see that some of the, the wisdom that I'd accrued through my own journey could be helpful. And I always share that empathy is a bit paradoxical because as much as we try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, as much as we try, sorry about that, I had a call coming in, as much as we try to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, um, you never can really do that because you don't know anyone else's story, you don't know anyone else's background, you don't know what they've been through. So the best thing you can do is just listen and listen and listen and listen and just do your damnedest to at least make them feel seen and heard. And that's, and that's a starting point. I think I'm pretty good at making people feel seen. And it's been um, a real catalyst for having a lot better friendships, um, relationships with my family, my spouse, uh, and certainly, you know, in the workplace and, and helping people feel like I truly understand and care about their problems. Because I do. You know, I don't think... I don't think you can fake empathy. I think a lot of people try, but you know if somebody's really listening. You know if somebody's really leaned in and giving a shit or if they're just, you know, giving you a token of time.
to listen to you before they can get back to themselves. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah, that's one that I, uh, someone has to be a pretty good con artist to fake empathy, but I think every time the the light shines on the darkness and it, yeah, that, that stuff, that shit surfaces real quick. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Nate? Um, I think uh, my story is very similar to Alex in that I was, I was kind of hardened as a kid trying to survive. And so empathy wasn't really on my radar. Uh, I, and I kind of had that, it was a, a mix of a, I was a victim, but I was also kind of had a chip on my shoulder sort of a thing like, okay, world's, you know, screw you. Then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use this pain as fuel, which is, a, that's the moment that thing, when I look back on it, was when I got my wires crossed. That's when I went the wrong direction is I started to take that sort of victim mentality and the pain. And I thought that that was my fuel to help me get what I wanted and needed. Um, and so it wasn't until I started to unravel all of that, that I discovered empathy and and even had any idea <laughs> what it was. And the short version of that story is, I had a life crash. Um, I, I had just graduated high school. I went to college for a year, and I every everything that I thought was going to be my life in in about a period of 365 days completely unraveled. Where I ended a relationship with my high school girlfriend. Two of my friends died drinking and driving. My brother got in an accident and had a traumatic brain injury, and I wasn't handling all that well. And I had an unplanned pregnancy one night, one time. So all those things smashed into a very small window was when I began to become curious about, okay, my life is clearly off track. How does one put it back together? How do you dig out of this hole? What does that look like? And, and empathy came into my life at that moment of gaining a much deeper understanding for the human experience, for mortality, for relationships, not only in damaged relationships, but in loss and who am I in all of this? And what is it that I've done that's created pain for others? And um, I think that that was the shifting point. That was when everything turned and I became voracious about personal development, professional development, leadership development. And empathy has been foundational to all of those things. If you're going to do change work, empathy has to be a foundational element. It has to be. You can't do good change work without that. Some of, something that Alex and I focus on deeply is the human experience. Well, good luck doing anything with the human experience and not using empathy <laughs> as a foundational element. And I just want to give an example of what that looks like. So here's an exercise that I do with, with groups and teams, everything from executive leaders to students. Very, very simple. It's two lines facing each other. People lined up. You're directly across from another human. You could reach out and touch the other human if you wanted to. And I ask questions that cause each person to share of themselves. So imagine, Kay, that I'm across from you, and the question is, what is one thing that you love to do that's completely analog, nothing digital? It's just you and your analog experience. What is that? And you would answer, and then I would answer. And then the whole lines move, 
And then I ask another question. So you're always standing across from a different person. And then I'll ask a little bit of a deeper question, like, what is one time in your childhood that you had a scary moment that you had to navigate out of and kind of find yourself back in a good place? And then you answer, and then the other person answers. And then I'll take it a little deeper. And I'll get into things like, what is uh, one of the proudest moments of your life? And then I'll go deeper and go, what is one of the hardest things you've ever been through and why? And so you'll see what happens is it creates this curiosity and these connection points that lead to gaining a new appreciation. What happens naturally is people go, wow, you've been through some stuff. I had no idea. I didn't know that about you. And this thing called empathy starts to emerge everywhere in that conversation where I see you differently. I have a new appreciation for you. I didn't know that you went through that. I went through that. I have a friend who went through And it's that thing that fundamentally changes relationships, whether you're kids that don't know each other from other states and countries, or whether you're senior executives who think you're kind of a big deal and don't care. Everything, everything can be um, shifted through empathy. They're both so powerful, those statements you guys said. Um, and it's very true. You know, I, again, find myself wanting to unpack all of the things because I've had so many experiences that are very much on the same wavelength of like when I discovered my empathy, I was in my quarter life crisis, just different things in my life. And I felt that same, that tumbling of event after event after event happening and cr- my life crashing down. And it, the beautiful thing about those moments, you know, as hard as they are, is we are built stronger in the valleys. And sometimes those valleys come and they're so painful that we don't even know if we're going to survive them. And then when we do, it feels like we have a layer of armor. We have this layer of knowledge that we are stronger and we come out of it. So that's really beautiful. And then so the work you guys are doing is incredible. I would love to share a little bit more from, from each of you about the, the work you do in your business and how you're bringing all of your experiences to the greater good of what you're growing. So a unifying thread is that as I shared earlier, as a kid, I really didn't feel like I fit in. I, I, I felt like I was a missing piece in the world and I didn't quite know how to navigate through the experience of being a child or connecting with folks or making or or living purposefully. And what's so interesting about what Nate and I are doing is that a core focus of ours is helping people to navigate through the future of work so that they feel purposeful and they feel like they have a place. So there's a really nice symmetry between what I went through as a kid and had to heal and what I'm trying to help people through with our work that we're doing at TDW. And you know, we believe that this is, as I said earlier, the most disrupted workforce in human history, that things are changing so fast, that skills are changing so fast, jobs, the way we work, it's really easy to get stuck. It's really easy to feel like you don't have a place. It's really easy to feel like, man, 
things are happening so fast. I just can't make sense of it and kind of get to that deer in headlights place where you just don't know what to do. And so we're trying to serve in a number of ways. First and foremost, we have our podcast, The Disrupted Workforce, where we bring uh, thought leaders and unique and undiscovered voices that have something to add to help people navigate, thrive, and prepare in the future of work through the insights that they get from these deep and meaningful conversations that we're having. We have a product called the Future of Work Mindset, which is helping people to explore, expand, and evolve their identity and how they navigate the future of work. And it's really a response to a question that most people ask us who want a quick answer, you know, what should I do? What's the next skill? What's the next industry? How do I make sense of what's happening with AI? And we say, hold up, (laughs) hold up. You got to take a step back. There's a bigger picture here and there's a way of being that will serve you. We can help you with all those questions that you're asking us. But there's a different mindset and a way to be in this moment that can really, really help you adapt. It can help you learn better and with more curiosity and enthusiasm. It can help you adapt and be more resilient. And it can help you evolve these very important human skills that are truly more important than ever in the age of AI and an increasingly digital world. And, you know, the third thing that we are really trying to do is this kind of double click on this identity piece uh, throughout everything, which is, you know, who am I now and who do I want to become and how do I live a fearless, purposeful life? Um, Yeah, I think the thing to know about where we are is to not be afraid of where we are. So if you think about everybody you know, everyone you've ever met has a story. And in that story are peaks and valleys. Your peaks are your high points, your valleys are your low points. And uh, as you said, we learn often more in the valleys. Um, A quote I love is, the wound is where the light enters you by Rumi. And it's this idea that when things are hard, that's where you're going to find the best version of yourself. Right? That's where you're really going to grow. And we tend to, as human beings, not grow as much when everything's great. We kind of we like to coast. <laughs> so um, the, the thing that Alex and I are doing is recognizing that life has never changed this much, this fast, at this scale, and it has no chance of slowing down. And so when we keep looking at this problem, we go, you know, there's 8 billion people on this planet. And, and us and a lot of other great organizations like the World Economic Forum are looking at this problem going, wow, we need to help a lot of people navigate a really hard time in life. And so we center on the human experience. A lot of people want to center on other things, and that's fine. Um, we like technology a lot. We're big fans of it. We're, you know, We use ChatGBT. We're exploring with a lot of different technologies, just like we are right now recording this in video, live, real time, you know, and we're all in different places. That's great. But um, what we want to grab onto more than technology is cool is what's happening to the human experience and how can we come together to help each other? So to foster this new way of being as the world becomes more digital, as we become um, 
disrupted, how can we support one another? So I would say more than just an individual thing is this idea of as we help one another, let's also reach out and help somebody else. Let's all have this broader conversation to help those who might not have help otherwise. And, and if we do this well by having our podcasts and being on other podcasts and going and speaking at events and whatever we're doing, hopefully it's spreading seeds, planting seeds and reaching more people than we could if, if Alex and I were embedded in some company somewhere and nobody even knew we existed. So we just hope to help a lot more people. Very well said. The work you do is so impactful and so necessary for the world, especially now. And it just reminds me of one of my favorite thoughts, one of my favorite mantras that I go to when I'm faced with either um, receiving feedback from someone that's negative, somebody who may be acting out is, I always go back to the thought of everybody on this planet has three things. They want to be accepted, they want to be heard, and they want to be loved. Even if the person is acting out, I can look now and say, wow, they must have a lot of pain. They are going through something. If they are so compelled to want to act out, it's it's a cry for help. And so that's how I'm starting to look at things in the world. So I really appreciate having you both on today. It's been so enlightening. And so I like to ask one final question before we close out for each of you. If you had to give one piece of advice to someone who is struggling and who doesn't know where to go, yet they want to elevate out of their experience into something different, what would that piece of advice be? For me, it's pain is my greatest teacher. So when you're in pain, really try to lean into what is the message underneath it? What is it trying to tell you? It's here for a reason. It's here to help you evolve and make change. And the longer it persists, the bigger the change you got to make. 100%. I love that. I can so resonate with that. Um, The thing that I think is really powerful and it's so simple is curiosity. Just be curious. Be curious about what's going on for you. Be curious about what's going on for those around you. Be curious about what's going on broadly in your community and the world. And it's really quickly, you'll start to sort of get outside of yourself and, and get out of those internal thoughts and start to recognize that, wow, things are challenging right now for people. And I can be present for that. And I can plug in to that and I can help other people and I can heal myself while helping to heal others. And I just think curiosity is this magical tool that gets us out of us. <laughs> That's amazing. I love that last line. Wonderful. You you two are so inspiring to me. I'm so glad we had this conversation. I could talk to you for hours um, and share more goodness. We'll definitely have to have you on again. Uh, Thank you both so much. And so how can people connect with you and the work that you do? First place is our website, www.disruptedwork.com. That's a great place to find our content and connect with us and the podcast, as well as you can find us on LinkedIn, Alex Schwartz and Nate Thompson. We do a lot of posting there as well. Thank you both so much for being on The Elevated You 
I'm inspired. I'm sure everyone listening is inspired. So keep doing the awesome work you're doing. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kay.